Welcome back to Yanks Abroad. Today we have a Premier League roundup. We're going to talk all things Arsenal banging in goals for free, Tottenham losing at home to Wolves, City tying against Chelsea. Is the title race open or closed now? A new winner. We'll talk through it all. I'm Casey Settleman. This is Will Balsam. You want to start us off? Let's do it. Arsenal, as you said, banging in goals. As I was saying for months, eventually the field tilts and the expected goals will pay off, and that's exactly what's happening. Manhandling every single game. How many shots on target do you think we have given up in the last three matches combined? So I don't know the answer to that, but I know in my research that we'll get to later, Luton, not Luton, United allowed 1.72 XG to Luton, and that's more than Arsenal has allowed in their last five matches combined. Yeah, we've allowed two shots on target in the no, last it's three been, matches. It, there's a reason I sat here quietly while you were There's not much to say on my front. Uh, the goals are flying in. Some people on Twitter, uneducated people, are calling you guys set-piece merchants, but that's not me personally. Here's the thing about the set-piece merchant thing, and I honestly do get it, and like I sometimes get worried about it, but at the same time, like if you're Arsenal, right, and you're struggling to score against low blocks, but you create so many chances, so many corner kicks, so many fouls deep in the opponent territory, you should become great and at set-piece. And a set-piece piece goal counts just as much as 100%, as and like, people goal. are like, oh, you score the most penalties in the league. Yeah, because we have the most touches in the opposition's box. Like, by percentage, we are likely to score more penalties than anyone else. We did get a very soft penalty in this match. A very, very soft penalty. Like, I was, I didn't even want it because I knew people were going to come after us. It. Um, but hey, I mean, we're absolutely dominant. We're on track to score more goals than last season. Like, okay, yes, the what the the totals have been inflated due to the past two. Well, matches. I'm just saying, like, I think a lot of the discussion around Arsenal, like not just you, but like all the discussion around Arsenal in December when we lost a few matches, was so result based. And like, I'm not a results based person. I you're a process guy. I'm a process guy, 100. percent When it comes to all sports, and specifically, I think soccer is that way, where it's like. It's such a low-scoring event where all it takes is one unlucky thing to happen to be losing matches, even if you're dominant. Yeah. Whereas, like, in football or basketball or baseball, like, multiple bad things have to happen in order for you to lose a game if you dominate the game. Uh, and that just seemingly happened three, four matches in a row. But, like, if you looked at the numbers, the numbers are the same. Like, we're not playing any better than we were before. Like, we're scoring goals at a higher clip because our finishers are actually being clinical. And then you have a goal like Odegaard scored or, like, Saka scored uh, two matches ago where it's like, you're outperforming the XG. Like, the XG on that goal is 0.1, and Odegaard scored from the top of the box on a half volley. Good like, finish. Yeah, like, it's what you were talking about before. It's like, if we have finishers who can do that every week, then you have, like, Holland or whatever. Right. Like, but, yeah. I mean, obviously, we'll talk about City, but even Holland has his games where he misses easy, easy goals. Like, all you can do, especially, like, under the manager discussions, all you can do is set your team up to be in a position to score as many po goals as possible, and the rest is kind of out of your hands. So what has changed? Just the bounces are, are, are going the it's right a little way, bit or of it's improved quality in the final third? It's a little bit of everything. Trossard starting. Trossard, in the nine matches, Trossard has started as center forward in the Premier League. We have not lost. Eight I could wins be the, one I draw. could be the manager of Arsenal Football Club. I mean, it's also just I've like... I've been saying it. He's your best finisher. How he doesn't start week in and week out, whether it was... Up top for Jesus. He's not even scoring that much, wide. though. Yeah, but he's he's create he's crazy. He's been excellent, one hundred percent, and he's allowed Martinelli to play closer to goal, which has been huge. Even though Martinelli's not even scoring that much, him being Shocker. closer to goal is is <laughs> him being closer to goal is massive for this squad. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's been the right balance. Like 
Zinchenko went out and Kivior stepped in and has been excellent. It's allowed Ben White to invert on the other side. I've seen a lot of Kivior discourse on Twitter about how he's how been great. Is. Well, the thing with Kivior is like he was brought in to be Gabriel cover for the run in last year. Yeah. And if Gabriel had gotten hurt and not Saliba, we would have been fine. Unfortunately, Saliba got hurt and Tomiyasu got hurt, so Rob yeah. Holding had to play. But like Kivior in his younger days was a defensive midfielder. And so when we brought him in, I wrote a whole thread on Twitter about how I actually think he's been brought in to be left back cover. I, that's what I thought the plan was all along because he's, well, like he's really happy to step into midfield. However, he hasn't even been doing that. He's yeah. just been playing a very traditional left back role. And Gabrielle, of all people, has been playing center center back in our back three when we're in possession. It's very, very much not what anyone expected, but it's worked brilliantly. It's allowed Havertz to play much closer to goal as well, which has been huge. He scored a, did you see his goal from this no, weekend? No. Neg and then right foot finish. Yes, I saw the goal. Um, I mean, it's just been great. I, I think, yeah, and Havertz plays off Trostard a lot better than he plays off Jesus. Yeah. Um, he's like able to get into the channels and receive the ball where Jesus usually receives it, and Trostard drops into more of a false nine. And it's just been so it's you been told brilliant. me the Havertz era was over because Emil Smith Rowe was healthy. What's well, Emil Smith Rowe wasn't healthy, he turned yeah. his ankle in training again. Did he? Yeah, oh, I, I mean, that guy that. can't stay healthy to see. What's your it. best 11? Not best 11. What's your best front five, I guess? It's tough. I mean, it, luckily, it's, like, not an easy answer, which has never been really the case. Like, obviously, our best front five includes some combination of Sokka and Martinelli on the wings. Okay. Uh, I mean, Odegaard is in the front five, but, yeah. like, Odegaard has been unlocked playing deeper. Yeah. Like, everyone talks about Odegaard like he's De Bruyne or Bruno Fernandes, like he's a number 10. He's not a number 10. He's an, an eight. He's, an, he's a David Silva player. He needs to be deeper, almost playing equal with Rice when we're in possession and kind of orchestrating from, from those positions. That's how he creates the most chances. He's not going to receive the ball where De Bruyne receives it equivalent with the box kind of almost all the way on the sidelines and, and create from there. That's not where he's at his best. He's at his best playing more vertical passes and less horizontal passes into the box. Um, so, I mean, I guess obviously Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, and then I, I think it's Smith, Rowe, and Jesus. It's the absolute best possible. Front. You don't think Trostard's in your, in your best 11? I think there's a lot of qualities about Trossard that make him really good in this Arsenal team, but I think it's it's tough. Like in the Champions League, no, I don't think Trossard's in our best eleven. Uh, he's What's not. What's the difference? Champions League is a little bit more of a transition game. Um, you need kind of a little bit. There's something about the Champions League that asks for something that's a little bit of higher quality. Jesus was that in the group stage. That's what so, I mean. Like he. Yeah. It's kind of an undefinable variable to me. No, you have and to I think raise Martinelli is the same the biggest, way. In the biggest competition, you yeah, just naturally have to raise your level. I think, like, you saw it with even with Chelsea when they won it. Like, Havertz is a good Champions League player to me. Like, he's a dual winner, he's physical, and he kind of just shows up in the right spots. Like, he's not, I don't know, I, that to me, like, I, I don't, it's an undefinable quality. I don't have a quality to call it. That's fine. Um, but, I mean, also, Ensaka has been the best player in the Prem this month. He has. I mean, he is on absolute fire. The, num the stats that I've seen in the last few weeks about what players have done by age 22 and who Sokka's in conversations with, it's pretty much Sokka, Rooney, Ronaldo, Michael Owen. Those are the only guys who have, and Chess Fabregas, who have done the things that Sokka have done by this age. Yeah, I it's saw some bail Sokka discourse being started. That's a little ridiculous. I mean, I don't think it's ridiculous at all. I mean, Sokka's ceiling is as high as Bale's ceiling was. I don't think you can say Sokka's as good... Like, you think Sokka has the chance to be as good as Gareth Bale? I think Sokka will end up being much better than Gareth Bale, long-term. I think people—this isn't even, like, a Tottenham thing. Wait, Gareth Bale is one of my favorite players in the history of the game. 
I actually didn't even despise Tottenham when Gareth Bale was at Tottenham. That's how much I like Gareth Bale. He, the things he did for Madrid in the biggest moments, like he is the epitome of a big time player. Oh. Like I don't think Saka ever touches the levels, true levels that Gareth Bale was at his. If prime. he accomplishes the same things at Arsenal that Bale accomplished at Madrid, I saw a fantastic stat: Gareth Bale has more Champions League titles than Saka does Champions League wins. Well, this is Saka's first time. I, in the Champions just, League. Also, I'm, like Gareth Bale obviously did amazing things for Madrid to win Champions Leagues, but th- those teams were carried by Ronaldo. Like if Saka's doing it, he's carrying in the team. finals. Gareth Bale played a integral part. To yeah, he scored an incredible bicycle. I love Gareth Bale. I, those those Saka Real Madrid but comparing teams. Saka to Gareth Bale. I understand Saka's playing great. Wait, but to compare you can him to compare Gareth Bale right now. You is, can compare him to Gareth Bale at this age, which is. Saka has more goals and assists combined than Gareth Bale did at this age. And he's That's, on pens. What? And he's on pens. Gareth Bale took Tottenham's pens at the time. Gareth Bale was still at Tottenham. I'm just saying, it is totally fair at this age to compare them. Deli Ali had more goals and assists than Saka at this age in the Prem. No, I don't think that's true. Is that, that true? That is true. Really? Yeah. He had more than, uh, I think Saka has 77? 77. He has more than 77 yeah. at 22 years old. I think so. I saw it on Twitter. I mean, not everything you see on Twitter wow, that, is true. That actually surprised me. Meanwhile, I mean, I think Bukayo Saka is, is... I know. He's as know. good as it gets. Like, I'm sorry. He is... I, I, I was talking about this with my buddy because no matter what Saka achieves next, everyone's going to be like, he's not as good as this person. Like, two years ago when he became Arsenal's best player, he scored double-digit goals and assists in the Premier League, my friend was arguing with me that Jared Bowen is better than Saka. And that was a real discourse at the time. People thought Jared, Jared Bowen... having a fantastic People season. thought Jared Bowen was going to start at the Euros in 2020 over Saka. Jared Bowen didn't make the fucking squad. I all right? Like, there's just... There's for some reason... I just don't think it's we an can Arsenal compare Saka to you can Bale com- yet. You can compare him at this age to Gareth Bale 100%. You think Their Saka trajectories- will end up being better than Gareth Bale? Yes. Great. But I, it depends what you mean by better. Do I think Saka's going to go to Real Madrid? I hope he never does. I no, hope no, he's no, a no, no. Not, but what you can't you you obviously can't compare accolades when he pl- when Bale played in a dynasty level. That's what I'm saying. But you can extract specific things that he did. Sure. In those, teams. I think Saka. I mean, Saka is the type of player who has those moments, like the way Gareth Bale was for Wales. Saka's going to do that for England. The way that like this is the golden generation of England as way the way that was a golden generation for Wales, like. I just I think you're not realizing that Saka is the second or third best young English player in the entire world right now. Behind Jude Bellingham, Saka is number two. Don't don't even start to Phil Foden fucking discourse. Phil Foden. Phil Foden is fantastic. He is fantastic and not nearly as good as Bukayo Saka. He's not, not nearly as good. He's not. I think with consistent minutes, you could start the. That's the discourse. Of, Phil Foden is the Justin Herbert of fucking soccer. If no, if if no. if. No, Why doesn't he get consistent that's just minutes about then? Lo- the, the Herbert thing is just about losing. Foden is just about, he plays in the best, he's playing in a current dynasty. So if you put Saka in City, you don't think he would have more goals and assists than he has for Arsenal right now, which is already more than Foden has? Well, if well, what? Saka, in theory, wouldn't be getting it because of Bernardo Silva at right wing or Riyad Mahrez at right wing, the same way Foden, like, this, you're saying that as if Saka would start week in and week out he for City. He would start week in and week out for City. Right now? Yes. Over Bernardo Silva. Bernardo, he's, he's arguably been their best player this Bernardo season. Bernardo Silva would come back to that eight position that he's way more comfortable in and way more dynamic I think he should in. stay there also, but I don't know. I think the Foden-Saka thing well, is closer than Wherever Saka's been at any point in his career, he has forced the player in front of him out of that position. All right, last thing on Arsenal. Are you in the title race? 
before. We, we've been in the title race. Well, you announced yourself out. I announced ourselves unlikely to win it. Are you announcing yourself back in? We are in it, but we're unlikely to win it. Like, we just are not likely to win That's it. It's such a hedge. Make it's a not claim. a hedge. Are you in it or are you out? We are in the title race. I okay. do not think we will win the title. That's so fucking soft. It's not soft. If you're in it, stand on it. You're the one who wouldn't fucking bet me on the fucking Arsenal Tottenham thing yeah, because it was God a two-point fucking difference yeah, at one point. and that was a great decision. Yeah, bro. and you were fucking dead wrong. All right, Tottenham, go. All right. Where to start? So, first off... Wolves seems to have our number. Um, Wolves are fantastic. Gary, Gary O'Neill, that's his name. Bournemouth, although Bournemouth are also kind of flying, yeah. Bournemouth should never have let him go. He is a fantastic manager. I love his no, demeanor and his mentality. Uh, I think he's superb. So the one thing I want to discuss is people are starting to question Ange now based off of one loss. And we actually haven't been playing great recently. We've just been scraping together results, which is sometimes what you need, but you'd like to see us playing better, similar to how we were earlier in the season. There's people that are calling for Ange's head as if we're not in the, we're not in halfway through a complete rebuild. People are sleeping on the, we lost our club captain and goalkeeper, Loris, among so many other players. And obviously Harry Kane, arguably the best ever player to play for Tottenham. Like we are four months into an entire rebuild and people are already asking for his head as if we're not in the top four race. And it's just inherently people's need to blame someone when things aren't going well. Like, I've just taken the stance of, like, we're in the middle of a rebuild. It was never going to be perfect. We're in a little bit of a rough patch, which is naturally going to happen. But people are, like, people are posting videos like, ah, the good days with Conte. But being serious, we were in literal hell with Conte. And now people are asking for him back. So my question to you is, when Arsenal wasn't playing well, who are they blaming? Arteta, always. They, they are. I mean, honest People are to God, so fucking stupid. Honest to God, like, I am not going to be sitting here giving Tottenham credit all the time, but, like, you're in a rebuild 100%. Like, 100%. and is not the problem. You have a lot of... You have a squad that needs complete overhaul still. Like, you still well, have... No, no, wait, The overhaul is in the... It correct. needed overhaul. But you're still it, six, seven players who need to leave and six, seven players, eight, nine players who need to... Like, here's the thing with Arsenal's... People are very impatient because you... They were like, so okay, impatient. you need to sell all seven of these players next window and get set, like seven new players in. That's not how it works. It's going to be, you're going to lose two or three players a window. You're going to bring two or three in. It's going to take you, you're probably four windows away from really being happy with your squad, and that's fine. I think that's we're fine. a little closer than that. And she's actually no, done but it listen, at such a, a fast who, level. We've gotten out so many, how many who, so what much players, What players need to be gone in the next few years in order for you to challenge for a title? Hoiberg. Need to be gone. Hoiberg. Hoiberg Davers. Davies. Skip. Davies is honestly. No. As our fourth no. choice left back center back option, he's fine. The problem is, is he's our backup left back right now. The problem is the players that have been there for this long, who are this old, who have the Tottenham mentality. This is what the genius no. of the Arsenal rebuild was getting rid of all of the old blood who was poisoning yeah. the brains of the new, of the new players. That's, that's, that's like fair. That's like Aubameyang. Everyone was very confused. Like, Aubameyang's your only good scorer. How can you let him go midway through a season? You're fighting for top four. Because he was late to training. Yeah. Because he was... Joking around constantly. Arteta doesn't fuck with that. And if Ange's a serious manager, yeah. that's the steps you need to take. Davies, that's the issues Ten Hag is Davies having as well. Davies is a questionable one because he's our fourth choice center back and a left-footed Your other back. issue is... like, But outside of Skip, Hoybier, 
I mean, Brian Hill needs to go, but like he seems like super committed to like wanting to be in the squad, even though he's like, not going. Even to be. Los Celso, like I, these players aren't bad, but it's not about their skill necessarily. It's about an overhaul of a squad and bringing in players. And a mentality. No, yes. I, I completely agree. We agree that we're in a rebuild, and people's impatience is so frustrating because we're. I mean, it looks a little bit more grim now, but I still tr- fully believe we're going to get top four. I mean, it's going to be a fight. Yeah, I, no, no, it'll be a fight. But if I, I were to, if you would have told me we would have sold Kane and then gotten top four this year and and had and started to build an actual identity that you can obviously clearly see it's not fully there yet, and also people were so quick to react. Ange with his system with pulling the pulling the fullbacks in, like it's arguably two of the most important players in his system. And both Poro and Udogi, who have been two of our top five best players this entire season, were both not playing. So you have Emerson Royale and Ben Davies playing two of the most important positions in the entire lineup, and people are ready to throw them to the wolves. Like, the impatience is is First of insane. all, hysterious. It's just hysterical how you've changed the the level now. Like, it was, we're 100% finishing third. Now it's like, I think we'll finish top four. I mean, yeah, and you the have fact to be that realistic. We, the fact that we're even fighting for top four is a miracle. It I'm is. just saying. You no, thought no, you were I got in the title overly race confident that I took top four for granted, but that wasn't pushing aside the fact that it was still extremely impressive that we were in the top four. No, fight. and this is honestly like I, I'm. It's funny to hear you say these things because, like, I, as someone who went through this rebuild with Arsenal, I 100% agree. Like everyone, and you said this even six weeks ago, everyone's like, "Oh, Arteta needs certain players for the system, whatever." But that is truly important to a good manager. Is you are implying a specific tactic. And so, therefore, you need a specific profile. Even if there's a world-class right-back on the market, he may not be the right right-back. Yeah. There might be a world-class striker on the market. He may not be the right striker. Like, that, to me, is a signs of a good manager. You're not just willing to go out and get any player that fills that role. You're looking for a specific set of physical and technical skills that work in the squad. And that doesn't necessarily work with every player, and it's, that's fine. It's insane to me that even Arsenal, where they are now, that people choose to blame Arteta when things aren't going well. People are always going to blame the manager. That's just... It's... it's. I mean, when it, it was dark days for me for a couple of years on Twitter when it was like me and I had two other buddies who were being like, Arteta's not the problem. And everybody else was like, Arteta out. You're a fucking... Not an Arsenal fan if you don't want Arteta out. Yeah. I'm like, who are you going to go get? You're going to go be like Tottenham, get Mourinho and Conte and have a disaster? Right, disaster. Like, People or, who or, are asking for Conte back, I think, like, chose to block out how poor those memories were. Well, it's like, and it's also, not everything's an extreme. Like, I have a buddy who's like... Right, it can be okay. He's like, Ange is a better manager than Conte. Like, that's not the, that's not how you say it. Like, Ange is right now a better fit for Tottenham, but yeah. obviously Antonio Conte is one of the great managers yeah. of the last 20 years. Like, things can be Every, two things. I think that's the problem with modern media is everything needs to be Correct. so... Correct, everything's a take. Every, like, it, it can be okay that we're going through a month of a rough period when we're getting players back from international tournaments and injury, and, like, it's okay that... It's not okay in the grand scheme of things. Like, if you look in a vacuum, like, losing to Wolves at home as Tottenham is not okay, but, like, it's okay that we're in a little bit of a dip in form. Look at... I mean, again, like, it's the same thing as the discourse when Arsenal lost a few matches in a row, like... In the winter period. Right. Yeah. It's just gonna happen. Yeah. Like It's a you, long season. Why do you think it's so... Man City's even struggled this year. Why do you think year? it's so fucking crazy that Arsenal... Went undefeated in yeah. the Premier like, League. Everyone's like, oh, well, you had 12 draws. We didn't lose a match in the Premier League Insane. for a season. We went 49 matches unbeaten in the Premier League. Like, that is a record that will never be touched. It's literally unimaginable. Yeah. It's literally unimaginable. Like, as I was saying with the Arsenal conversation earlier, too, like, 
you could be the most dominant you've ever been, and if one bounce goes the wrong way, yeah. Like think about the Arsenal Liverpool match from two weeks ago. Like we dominated that match and still gave up a goal because the ball clipped off of Gabrielle's yeah. hand and went in the yeah. back of the net. Like not only was it an unlucky play that like Saliba kind of misread it and Ryan didn't come pick it up, but then the ball also had to clip Gabrielle's right. hand and go in the goal. Yeah, that's all I had for Tottenham because I just think it's so ridiculous how people are overreacting in the middle of one of the biggest rebuilds. Like you could argue that this was a bigger rebuild with everything going on than when Bale left. Well, it's just a, yeah, I mean, it's, football's it, a very different place because back then it was like, Bale left, you have all this money, and at that point, that kind of money was totally different. You could yeah. literally buy seven players, which you which did. Which we did, and they all saw. And you just, I mean, you just rushed to the market. Whereas now, like, it doesn't, selling something for $120 million, you could buy one player. That's what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> I, that's why I think it's harder. Right, like, it is harder. We've, we've done really like good business. Like, you had to spend $55 million on Brennan Johnson. Yeah, we've done really good business, and we're lucky that we have, but if we missed a couple of our transfers, like if Van de Ven didn't end up being one of the best center backs in the Premier League, which he is, like, it, it could be very... Are you ready to, to admit that he's better than Romero? Van de Ven? Yeah. Um... He might be the best center back in the Premier League. But, well, all right, that's all I have for like Tottenham. He's, like, top seven, but he's very... No, 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 he's not top seven. No, 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 he's actually top one. Okay, all we're right. not doing that. All right, Man City-Chelsea. This was honestly a thrilling, thrilling match. Obviously, rooting very hard for Chelsea, which is very tough for me. Yeah. But I more so from this match want to talk about Pochettino in a minute, uh, just to quickly go over it. Uh Chelsea had ridiculous amount of clear-cut chances. They couldn't score. Nicholas Jackson is the horrific. Worst. Like, Nicholas Jackson... He was in my top five worst transfers. He's literally Lacazette 2.0 in that he'll do a lot of great things in the first two-thirds of the pitch, and then he gets to the final third, and it's like you can't... He's not a true striker. He has no clue how to finish. You can't believe some of the fucking shots he takes. Like, it's, it's, either he skies them into fucking row Z, yeah. or he fucking just duffs it right at the goalie. It's crazy. It's insane. He's awful. And that was... The one thing that I talked about with Chelsea is when Pochettino was successful at Tottenham, it's because you have overlapping wingbacks and creative wingers who create chances for the I, number I have nine. A, I have a whole section on this I want to talk to you For about. the number nine and having one of the worst number nines in the entire Premier Like, in the entire Premier League. Like, I'd rather have Anwioni from fucking Forest. Yeah, I like him Solanke. a lot. Like, there's... I'm not even talking about in the big six, one of the worst strikers. Like, in the Premier League, Nicholas Jackson is one of the worst starting nines. 100%. And that's, yeah, that he, was never going to work. 100%. So, I, I, you skipped to it, but let's just talk about it. Okay. I, this was the first match where, like, and obviously it's because of the level of the team they were playing against, but where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm back kind of on the understanding that Poch is a good manager. Yes. Like, I was kind of very anti-Poch recently. And just watching this match, like, their passing structures... The tactics, it's all a little bit of genius. Like, the use of opposite fullbacks, whereas one goes forward at a time, keeps the width of the pitch, creates a front four to sit back behind the striker. It's brilliant. Like, it really allows Palmer and Sterling to be super, super effective at the time it was Deli Alli and Erickson, yeah. where basically, or Deli Alli and Son really more, basically, they're sitting in between the lines in almost the half spaces where... None of the four potential defenders know where exactly to, to cover them, Very right? fluid. If they get too tight, they're in trouble. If they give them too much space, they're such... You uh, taught them specifically at such elite finishers yeah. that it, it, was, it was problematic. The issue is, as you just said, it relies very heavily on two clinical strikers yes. up front. When they, Tottenham had Kane and Son, 
not bailing them out, but constantly scoring from tough and, positions. And Deli Ali making the overlap. Like, all three of them were 100%. When, and now yeah. they're trying to do it with Sterling, who has never been... He scored plenty of goals, but he's never been an elite he's finisher. He's never been deadly, but, like... The, His finishing rate so, is not very high. Yeah, he's so good at getting in the right positions right. that, like, you don't And at City, he notice. had so many chances yeah. that he scored so many goals. Yeah. And then, obviously, Nicholas Jackson we're talking about. And so, for Chelsea to succeed in this entire... Concept like yeah. they need to sign like OC men or OC men needs or to Tony be, yeah. somebody who is going That's to score outscore their XG needs to be this in the team. This was my thesis the entire time in my Premier League predictions video is they are like so close to building the correct squad and they spend so much money and like instead of getting Caicedo and Lavia like they should have just went and got a true number 9 cuz it's so dependent on having that well, clinical finisher Well I think the, the idea was like and Cuckoo can kind of be but, but I he's think really he's that more, perfect I think yeah. he's perfect to play the that number is, 10 role The issue is and honestly like this year obviously he's been injured a lot Yeah but this year when I watched him like he doesn't work hard enough off the ball he doesn't Yeah right. it, both in possession and out of possession and so I think Dali Ali was really good at picking up the ball in deep spaces and then making forward runs. Yes. I, if and Cuckoo can't do that, then he actually will have to convert to like you can't be. Very few teams in the Premier League can succeed if not all eleven players are working hard together. I think City also, is one of the few teams who's been able to do that because when they brought in Holland, they had to. Yeah. And De Bruyne also doesn't work very hard off the ball. And so I think if you remember at the beginning of last year, it actually took them a little while to get up and running with yeah. Holland because this was a player who isn't going to be involved much in the buildup. Right. He's not going to be involved much in the press. And so it took them a minute to kind of figure out those tactics. And so I just wonder if within Cuckoo, they, that is their number nine, and then they have to sign somebody That's else. That's fine if, if he's going to be their number nine, and you can kind of create a midfield with Gallagher who can play behind, but is also extremely yeah, like I good thought Gallagher is kind of like the Ericsson of the he's, team. Fucking amazing, and I think he's going to be a Tottenham player next year. But that'd be a good signing for you yeah. guys. If you want to play in Cuckoo at the nine, you can. But I also think he's been in and out of injury, and with the Poch system, especially in training, it's super rigorous, and the press, for the most part, is is super high and super intense. That he he might just not be like entirely match fit, and like he's been in and out of yeah. I mean, injury. He, this is like, the worst I've seen him ever play. Like, like he yeah, was like, awful. He in this just match. he just needs. I think if you give him. Obviously, it's getting late now, but it, going into next year, if they sign a true number nine, you can play him at the 10. You get an entire summer of him getting into match fitness, and then, like, I think they could be really dangerous next year if they sign an actual striker. Because, uh, as you said, you can see the potch system starting to be ingrained into the into I mean, the, the passing triangles and the passing systems are clearly creating tons of chances. Yes. And I respect that. Posh is not going to go out and press you high up the pitch like Jurgen Klopp does. I respect that that's not his tactics. I will say, though, like, the knock on Posh is kind of like the Tottenham knock, which is, like, the in-game tactics and the mentality of the squad seemingly is not up to par with some of the, the best. And, like, you saw it in this match. They're up a goal, and at the 60th minute, he's bringing in two defenders or two attackers. Like, you can't sit seven right. back and especially for 30 minutes City against and City. And expect to hold that result. Yeah. 100%. Like, that's not the way to go out and beat City. You've never really seen teams go out and beat City that way. The only way you do that is if you do have an outlet who's a clinical finisher, right. which they took them off the pitch. Like, they couldn't, even if they were defending perfectly, they could not regain control of the ball for a second the last 30 minutes. The fact that they didn't even lose the match was a miracle. Yeah. And so, I just wonder what the ceiling is. Like, if you're going to spend this kind of money, the ceiling needs to be Champions League and Premier League, and I just don't know with Poch if that is the ceiling. Like, he will have to figure something else out 
I don't I know mean, what that means. I don't know say, what the answer is. To say but... the ceiling with Poch can't be Champions League and Premier League is like obviously wrong. Finished second and lost in the Champions League final. He didn't finish second. Whatever. Did you finish second? I'm sorry. Did like, they change check, the points? No, they didn't. Okay. We were in a title race and in the Champions League final. Like, he can do it. But you didn't finish second. I understand. Okay. Okay. I'm, uh, but yeah, huge draw for Arsenal and Liverpool for, for City to draw. Any quick thoughts on City? I mean, no. Okay. This is the same thing as Arsenal. Like, you're going to have matches where you don't finish, even yeah. if you have Erling Haaland. Holland missed two sitters. If Gabriel Jesus missed that, you'd be here yelling okay, at me so, that Gabriel Jesus is the worst striker well, in the world. Anyways, so should we revisit the discourse of... Because everyone called me crazy that I said Harry Kane was much... Be- not, like, better, but much better than Erling Holland. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna prop Harry Kane right now with how he's playing at Bayern. Okay, the Bayern thing. We're not getting into the Bayern thing because we talked about it's that. It's not a good time to be propping Harry Kane. That's true, but... He's not I beating, stand, the, he's not beating stand, the serial loser I stand on the fact that Harry Kane would have scored more goals than Erling Holland in that city team. No. No? No. Okay. Anyways. All right, we'll move to Manchester United. What do you mean? United. Harry Kane is fucking busy playing defensive midfielder and picking up the ball in his own half. Bayern is a shit show for a multitude of reasons and going exactly how we said that it would go and they might save their season by getting rid of, Tuchel. of Tuchel before it's too late, which would be really interesting. The issue with that is like they shouldn't. They should just call it an L season and then get Javi Alonso. No, but they what they can do is get an interim what, manager in. What, bring Zidane in? in? I read they might bring Zidane in. No, they should just... Get him out, get an interim manager in. Hopefully, he gives him a spark to go and compete for something the rest of the season and already, and then just be heavily attacking Xavi. I think the only way they get Xavi is because you know Liverpool is attacking him right now. The only way they can't start in the summer. Attack. He'll he'll be at Liverpool before it's. I mean, they're already like well into discussion. That's what I'm saying. They should get rid of him now, get an interim in, and then just spend all their time attacking getting him in, but maybe yeah. they make like an under the table deal. Like we'll let you Leverkusen, you win the title. If you give, I us. mean, the crazy thing is like Leverkusen's not even getting enough credit. They haven't lost in all comps. By the way, they have the, not lost the, the title. Like at this point, isn't even close. It's like nine points. It's literally not. Even they would close. have they to just, have a, absolute they just lost collapse. to bulk them. Yeah. Like, no. That's a joke. Arsenal all has right. a, an Academy player who uh, plays for them now. Let's talk about the Man United match. So, we touched on this earlier, but Man United allowed 1.72 XG to Luton Town. The most confusing thing about Man United is they... I hate them so much. They are in an unreal run of form right now. They're and, so bad. And not good at football. So... I can't... I can't Please explain to me... No, I can't. ...how Man United is winning matches, but also sucks at the same time. I can't. I can't explain it to you other than this is what they did with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and nobody wanted to believe it then. I, you do not understand. Like, almost all of my friends are Manchester United fans, yeah. and they were so in love with Ole. I was like, are you watching? Like, all you're doing is just, like, Rashford scoring on breaks. Like, you can't win that way They're consistently. So and, dude, the two goals they scored against Luton were two of the luckiest goals. My friends are trying to convince me Hoyland purposely chested that in. It <laughs> slammed him in the face. Like, I mean, Hoyland's also in unreal form. He scored He's six great. Th- by the way, he's great. I think that was a great signing, and I stood by that from the second they signed him. That's the right signing. It's okay to overpay for 20-year-old strikers who are extremely physically gifted, who are excellent finishers. That's okay to overpay Can for. Can I read it. you uh, the company that he just joined? So Rasmus Hoyland. He's like the youngest player to no, score no, in no. seven No, no, no. Man United players to score in six matches in a row. Include Cantona, R- Ronaldo, and Ruven Nistelroy. Yeah. 
and now Hoyland is in that category. I, he will it's be great. It's hysterical. I don't think it's. I think he will be I great. I mean, he. Def- they just suck. Here's the issue, and they're winning. All right. Casemiro is the worst player in the Premier League. (laughs) The worst player in the Premier League, bar none. Bar none. Is Man United in the top four race, yes or no? You have to consider the minute, yes. I don't think they will get it. If I were to list the three teams that are in the top... the exact same answer you gave me for the Arsenal. What? They're in it but won't win. Yeah, that's my take. If you stamp that they won't win it, then they're not in it. I believe it'll be Tottenham, United, Villa. Really? I just don't see I, how this... You see, I told you, there's, there's Emery thing in Villa. Like, it doesn't last. Okay, but you want to talk... We always talk regression to the mean with Arsenal scoring goals. There has to be regression to the mean with how Man United is playing and the, and the results that they're getting. I 100% agree there will be regression to the mean. I have very low expectations for Villa and Tottenham as well for the rest of the season. Okay. I think that the gap between third and fourth is going to continue to explode. Right now, it's eight points. Yeah. I, it may end up at 16 points. Okay, so we both agree Man United sucks. They're terrible. Okay. The, the difference is, and this is what's been bailing them out for the last five years, is that they throw, like, they don't, when they miss on signings, they're missing on 80 or $100 million signings. Yeah. Those players are going to have good moments. Of course. Like, Casemiro is the worst player in the Premier League, but he will have good matches. Like, Hoyland was $75 million, so, like, yes, he started slow, but he was eventually going to start scoring goals. Like, Anthony's terrible, and I think Anthony he's awful. Terrible. But he still finds a way to score. I mean, no, I don't know if he will. He, he doesn't, but Garnacho is actually playing well. Garnacho is so overrated. I hate Manchester United. No, he's actually playing. I hate Manchester United too because it's so ridiculous that they're putting together. Like, how are they producing points? Did you see that video of Rashford with the pressing Barkley in the 98th, 94th minute? The team is a disaster. And honest to God, I hope they get top four because I don't mean Ten Hag will stay. Like, this is the problem. You think Ten Hag's on on the hot seat? How can he not be? If they don't get top four and they've spent. Let's they're see. not getting top four. Okay. Nothing about these performances show me that they're getting top four. They shouldn't be in top eight, dude. Fucking Brentford in 14th play better football than them. They're Brighton fucking awful. Brighton is like 10 times better than them. Wolves are better than them. Probably. Wolves are, wolves are so fucking good. I, I, would, I would love to do an episode okay. just on Wolves. I think they're so fucking good. I love Gary O'Neill. I think he's incredible. All right. I have a game for you. All right. It's not quite a game, but other than the fact that... The discourse after this match was two things. How are Man United picking up points when they're so bad? And then Maynou and Ross Barkley. So you're obviously a big fan. So I want to talk about the England midfielders that are going to the Euros. So I looked at the World Cup. They only had six technical midfielders going. But I'm going to have you pick seven. And I included... Foden, who they had as a forward, but I'm including him as a midfielder. And I want to see if Maynou and Barkley get into... I, don't, I can't imagine either of them do. But All right, so sense. I wrote some names down. So the obvious... The obvious are Rice, Bellingham, Foden. Yes, so those are the first three. So you have four spots to fill between... And I'll just list them all for you. Yeah, list me the options. Calvin Phillips, Jordan Henderson, Gallagher, Mount, Madison, Palmer, Eze... Rico Lewis, Curtis Jones, Maynou, and Barkley. So you have to pick four. I can't, we're counting Palmer and Rico Lewis as midfielders, not defender and attacker. Rico Lewis, they, they put Trent. Like when I was doing the research, people put Trent in and Rico Lewis. I took Trent out and only included Rico Lewis because Rico Lewis isn't getting in as a right back. So, so my inkling, so just, you've, you I've need done four. zero research on this, but my inkling is Gareth Southgate has a hard on for Mason Mount. So if he's healthy, he's going. That's insane to me. I wouldn't choose him. I'm not saying this is what I would do. No, I know. 
Get no, no, okay. I want what you would do and then what you okay, think what will I happen. W- so you need four more out of Manu, Barkley, Phillips, Henderson, Gallagher. Those are really the Mount, only options? You're not Madison. forgetting anybody? What? You're not forgetting anybody? Those are really the Those only are all options? of them. And I even included like fringe people like Eze, Rico Lewis, and Curtis Jones. Midfield needs a serious reworking. Um, you have I mean, four spots. I would bring Manu for sure. I'm a okay. huge, huge fan of Manu. You have three spots left. Like Manu's a surefire in for you now. People are talking about Manu like he could be the best midfielder of all I time. I mean, I've been watching Manu for like three years. He's fucking incredible. Okay. Uh, Arsenal have a very similar player coming through, and I'm excited about him. All right, so Manu's in? Um, I, would, I, would, I would choose Manu. I'm not sure Southgate would. I need yours, and okay. then you'll do Southgate. Uh, I would go Manu. God, I don't want to say Calvin Phillips, but you need another defensive midfielder. I don't know who else you bring. I, I, I guess Calvin Phillips. Uh, Gallagher for sure. He's right, you have one spot left for Barkley, Henderson, Mount, Madison, Palmer, Eze, Rico, Lewis, and Curtis Jones. Oh, Curtis Jones. Get get Calvin Phillips out of there. Okay, fine. Bring Curtis Jones. Even though he's not a defensive midfielder, fuck it. Declan Rice never gets hurt. Okay. Curtis Jones, You Gallagher. want to knock on wood? No. Really? Brother, Arsenal couldn't get worse injury luck if they tried. Like, there's nothing I Kevin, clip that. He just yeah. said... Declan Rice never gets injured, so when he does, just be sure everyone to blame Will. Uh, all right. Manu. Yes. Curtis Jones. Yes. Gallagher. Yes. So you have to Palmer. Leave. So you're leaving Madison out? I'm leaving Madison out, yeah. He's been awful since he came back from injury. No. He's been he's been worse we, than all. Do four. I need to bring up the he's sofa score ratings? Do I need to bring up the sofa score? I don't score care ratings. about sofa score ratings. I you, test. Yes, you do. I test. He's been worse than all four of those players since he came back from injury. Also, mm-hmm. fucking Southgate doesn't like him. So I know this. I'm just like I, it's hard for me not to like think about what Southgate likes. Southgate likely. So your Southgate likely your England will, midfield is Maynu, Rice, Bellingham, Foden, Gallagher, Curtis Jones, and Cole Palmer. And I mean, now, Cole Palmer's not a midfielder. So if, if, I, if you could put Cole Palmer as a forward, then I'll take Madison. Okay, fine. And now give me, who does Gareth Southgate? Southgate will take Phillips. Southgate will take Gallagher. Southgate will bring Mount. He will. That's what he does. He loves those three guys. So then I have one more I get to choose that he can bring. Yeah, between Manu, Madison, Eze. He's not going to bring Is Madison. he going to bring Henderson? He's not going to bring Henderson. Here's the, the thing. He's, the either gonna I, Phil- the, he's either going to bring Phillips or Henderson. The tweet he's I saw was, it's time, like, Phillips and Henderson's time is over. You have to bring Manu and Barkley. I agree with that. Like, I don't want this to be clipped in a way where it's like... No, 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 I'm, I know. I, I agree with that, but I just... I don't believe in Southgate's ability to make good decisions. So, But you don't think he'll bring Phillips and Henderson? You think it's one or the other? One or the other. Okay. I don't think he should bring Phillips for sure. He, Phillips, he's played one match and got a red card. He was so bad against Arsenal in the 20 minutes he played, uh, and nobody was even trying, and he was still... And terrible. I understand he hasn't played all year. Like, he's going to need time, but, like, if he doesn't improve his performances, nah, you off. can't take him. Henderson... Is he playing for Ajax? I actually haven't checked. I think he's been playing a little bit. I've seen some clips. Okay. Uh, and then I guess, I mean, he's going to bring Mount, dude. He loves Mount. When's Mount get back from injury? I don't know, but he loves Mason Mount like it's his son. Mason Mount wasn't even good for United when he was healthy. Mason Mount hasn't been good for 18 months. I, I don't want him to bring Mason Mount. I'm not saying that I want that. I just know that he loves Mason Mount. Realistically, does it even matter? Like the midfield kind of like makes itself. Yes. I mean, it should be... Rice, Bellingham, Foden, every single behind time. Rashford, Kane, Saka. You think it's Rash? You just love that dynamic of Rashford. Yeah, but I'm we agree. Rashford has dynamic. not been Rashford when he's deadly and knows exactly what he wants to do is a completely different player than when Rashford takes eight touches 
like fake shot left, I fake agree. shot right. I, and honestly, like it's probably fine if Rashford's used as a super sub, but if that is the case, who's playing left wing? Foden gets pushed out to the left wing. Mount ends up playing left wing. Like you could play Sterling. I think you could play wing. Foden as left center mid and Madison as left wing, or Foden as at left wing and Madison at left center That's mid and half them. Not gonna play he doesn't like Madison. I'm sorry. But if Madison get if Madison returns to his the best midfielder in the Premier League form, you can't not leave him out. That's fair. Uh, all right. I mean, England, I, I'm, it's going to be interesting to see the England squad. You know there's going to be some people in there that shouldn't be in yeah, there. We'll, I mean, we'll obviously revisit. Yeah, we still right have to revisit Sancho again at some point. All right. One more thing. Yeah. Let's talk U, uh, UEFA coefficient. Yes. Because we've been talking about it for a while. This morning I woke up and everyone's talking about it. Before really? We, yeah, before okay, we great. even got to like be the ones to talk about it. But my entire Twitter was based off of this. Um, but we were ahead of the game on it. So right now... And this may be silly because I'm realizing at the time of recording is before the Champions League matches midweek, but we'll just say for, for sake. The extra Champions League place rankings right now go Italy with 14.7 coefficient points, Germany with 13.9, England with 13.8, Spain with 12.9, France with 12.2. Then there's a bunch of other teams uh, that are kind of below them that are not too far away, but I don't think we'll be in the race. So... We've been discussing this a lot. We've assumed earlier. So right now, Italy would be getting a fifth spot. And Germany would be as well. That would be Bologna. They're kind of in gas this year. Okay. Is but that the side that Tiago Mota manages? I don't know, honestly. But the fact that Bologna would get in over potentially, I don't know. Do Villa and Tottenham even deserve it? That's no, what I'm saying. Tottenham like, does. Yeah, it is. So Tiago Mota... Uh, Really interesting yeah. the way he sets up, like a two seven one. It's bizarre. I haven't seen that. That's insane. Um, anyway, so we've been talking about this a lot, and I feel like we've been misunderstanding it, and yes. so I spent some time trying to understand it. Here are, the, here are the rules. Each win in any UEFA competition, Champions League, Europa League, Conference League, is worth two coefficient points. One point is for a draw and zero for a loss. And then each country, so each league, is judged on the best average coefficient of all its competing sides. So, like, you add it all up and average it based on the matches. Bonus points exist uh, on top of the points gained by all clubs, which get added together and then divided by the number of participating clubs, which turns creates the coefficient average. So, the bonus points exist from winning a group. If you win a group, you get, like, five points in the Champions League, four in the Europa League, three in the Conference League. So, that one's weighted. That's the only weighted aspect of it. Now, from here on out, every win at any level... Draw, loss, treated the same. That's so insane. So we almost need like Villa to carry in the, in the conference league, or they're in the Europa League. Villa, they're in the conference. Conference league, league. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So basically, Tottenham, United, Villa are rooting yeah, for, for Arsenal, City, yeah. like which is hilarious. It could come down to literally Arsenal could be playing Bayern for the fifth, for the fifth in Champions the sh- League spot. Uh, obviously, that won't be the Champions League final, but that is theoretically there's potential. For that to be the I kind of love it. Yeah, so basically here's the situation of what teams are left. It like I see this man on the sorry, I see this man on the street stuff all the time. It's like, would you rather Arsenal win the Champions League or Tottenham win the Premier League? And people are like or like Yeah, it, I gotcha. It, and they'd rather like us not win the Premier League, so Arsenal doesn't win the Champions League. Like 
I don't. It, I'd rather Arsenal get to the Champions League so we can get into the Champions League. As you the would fifth rather spot. us win the Champions? Not League? win. I'd rather you get to the Champions League final if that was the extra coefficient point that got Tottenham. But into what the about fifth winning place. the Champions League? Would you rather us win the Champions League so you get to get us in as the fifth? No. Then I'd rather Arsenal lose. Like 100%. at that point, that's a no-brainer. If we can't get fourth this year, like we don't deserve to be in it. I kind of respect that, but also, like, you obviously would love to be in the champion. And it would give us enough funds to continue this rebuild, but no. I so, here's your, here's your issue. Italy have Inter, Lazio, Napoli still in the Champions League, yep. AC Milan, Atalanta, Roma in the Europa League, and Fiorentina in the Conference League. And they I have, think AC Milan's going to win the Europa League. They have seven teams left. Insane. Like, if Italy can, if four of those teams can advance a little bit further. And by the way, an Italian team is in a final of every single one of those competitions every single year. It seems like they they, they do well in, in every single year. Games. Germany has Bayern, Dortmund, Leipzig in the Champions League, Freiburg and Leverkusen in the Europa League, and Frankfurt in the Conference League. Wow. The big thing for you would be if Bayern do end up going out to Lazio. That would be massive is that, for you. Is that big if only one of them go out, though? Well, the, then you're, and Leipzig's going to go out to Madrid, probably. You're right. And Dortmund could go out to PSV. Like, if that happens, then you're probably Germany's, fine. Yeah. Then you're probably fine. Because Arsenal, England have Arsenal and City in the Champions League. Brighton, Liverpool, West Ham in the Europa League. The issue there is like Brighton and West Ham could go out right now. The Europa League's kind of stacked. Yeah. I haven't paid enough attention. There's, There's a lot of good some teams good in teams in there. Yeah. Wow. That's it's like exciting. the first time in a while. Yeah. Once Arsenal are out of that competition, it gets good again. And Aston Villa are in the, in the Conference League. So, I mean, it would have been better if Newcastle and United didn't legit finish bottom of their group, so they could have gone they into Europa been League. In, right, exactly. Um, but yeah, well, Newcastle kind of got fucked. I mean, the yeah. only other issue you have is like Spain and France also have a lot of teams left who could jump England. Spain has Atletico, Barca, Madrid, and Real Sociedad in the Champions League. All four of them could progress. Like you could see a world. Real Sociedad is. Oh not no, they're going to lose to PSG. But uh, Atletico, Barca, and Madrid easily all could. Yeah. Villarreal, who always do well in the Europa <laughs> League, and then Betis in the Conference League. Yeah. Uh, and then France has PSG in the Champions League. They have four teams in the Europa League <laughs> and one in the Conference League. So, but like, they're all bad. Those French sides are bad. Yeah, I mean, Lens is pretty good. They're really well set up. We, they, we, we lost them in Champions League. Yeah. Um, and then Marseille, Stade Rennes, and Tua Louise in the Europa, Europa, League, uh, Europa League. And then Lille in the Conference League. Yes. The, the issue is if, like, Lille wins the Conference League and one of those teams make the Europa League final, like, you're, you could be fucked. I, I, it, it literally will uh, come down UEFA, to UEFA would rig it and step in. They don't want... Another French team in the champion. That's yeah. the last thing. And then, know. like, the cr- there's a world I was reading in which, like, Czechia, yeah. like the Czech Republic, they have, like, four teams left. Like, yeah. if a couple of them make deep runs, because there's only four teams, though, their coefficient could go higher. Yeah. It's crazy. The whole thing is fucking nuts. And then there's also two other spots that are on the line for... So there's four extra spots. You're going 32 to 36 teams. There's two extra spots on the line for all of the leagues that are not the big four leagues. Okay. So not England, Spain... Italy, Germany. So right now, France and Netherlands are both earning extra spots from last season. Ah. So those two spots are decided by last season's results. So for, so for the year after, they will be decided by this season's results. It's very, very common. I was telling you last night, it's very common. Someone needs to simplify it. Yeah, that article I sent you is as simple as I could find it. Okay. It wasn't very simple. Yeah. But nonetheless, Tottenham, United, and Villa are rooting for Arsenal, which you never thought you'd hear me say. Among every Among other, other English, Europe, English yeah. clubs in yeah. Europe. Um, all right, Americans Abroad update. Let's do it. I'm excited. The Americans are playing well. I can't wait for Bear Alter to ruin it for all of us. The Americans are playing well, and after I give the update, we have some things to speak about to finish it off. But Perfect. What's today? Date. The 20th? Yeah. 
February 20th, 2024, Americans Abroad Update. In Italy, Pulisic came on as a halftime sub after being rested after their Europa League match and had an assist to make it 2-1 and then an absolute banger to make it 2-2. They went on to lose 4-2, but his cameo when he came on at halftime was amazing. Musa also came on as an 83rd-minute sub as he started in midweek as well with Pulisic. Weston McKinney started and played all 90 in Juve's 2-2 draw, and Weah came on as an 82nd-minute minute sub. In England, Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson both started for Fulham in their 2-1 loss to Villa, with Robinson picking up the assist on their goal. He seems and continues to be in his best form of his career, which, which is really good for him. Matt Turner is now solidified as the backup for Forrest. He has not started in a couple games, and Gio Reyna was also an unused sub for them, which is the exact opposite of what we were looking for when Gio Reyna got his move. Chris Richards started and played the full 90 at center back in Palace's 1-1 draw, which is great because he's been playing right back, the six, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but I think him playing center back and getting reps there is the best thing for the Americans. Um, in France, Balogun is back and got the start from Monaco in their 2-1 loss. He continues to not play entirely well. In Germany, P. Falk and Scally both started for Mönchengladbach in their 2-0 loss to Leipzig. And Brendan Aronson got his first goal for Union Berlin this season in their 1-0 win against Hoffenheim. Him getting a little confidence would I was be such good. a believer in him. Because he's, to be able to bring him on and his versatility of where he can play, I think would be big. In Netherlands, the boys are eating, continuing to eat the PSV boys. Pepe picked up a goal midweek. Tillman had an assist and more solid performances from Serginho Dest. Taylor Booth picked up two goals in the, in, in the Dutch league as fire. well. He's on fire. He played his brother, which was really cool recently. And Josh Sargent and Haji Wright both scoring goals in the championship. And all of a sudden, there's a question about who the number nine is for the U.S. So I've been seeing you know a I, lot of discourse about this because Josh Sargent is actually in really, really good form. I P-Falk isn't Sargent. in great form, but he's starting almost every single week for a solid Mönchengladbach side in the Bundesliga. Ricardo Pepe isn't starting, but either comes on as a sub or plays as a second striker with De Jong in that PSV side. And Balogun just got back into the Monaco side, but he's not playing well at all. And all of a sudden, there's a large controversy about who the number nine is for the U.S. I think with Josh Sargent is like, I just can't keep going down the Josh Sargent road. Like, he's not good. Right. He's not. I'm sorry. He's <clears> not good. Like, he's been good at Norwich at times. He was good in the Bundesliga at times. But, like, he's not consistently good. He doesn't really add a whole lot when he's not scoring. Like, that's my thing with Balogun. I, I know he's struggling right now, and I've seen – have you seen the Monaco fans memeing him on Twitter? I haven't, actually. It's, it's ugly. Okay. Um – well, they spent a lot of money on him. Well, like, we not. did all this to convince Balogun to be our number nine. Like, yeah. we can't, like, not. No, I agree. I agree. Balogun should stick as the number nine, and we should stick with him through thick and thin. And then Ricardo thin. Pepe is my second favorite option. I think Ricardo Pepe is incredible. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of him. I think he prematurely moved to the Bundesliga, which I think has been a big issue for a lot of Americans. They're yeah. in such a rush to get out of the MLS that they don't necessarily make the right step in their career. If And, like, I would love to see the MLS use the Eredivisie as a stepping stone instead of trying to compete with the Eredivisie as a developmental league. Like, right. there's a lot of discourse about how the MLS is trying to follow the Eredivisie's path, path to being a developmental league for the Europe's, Europe's big leagues. We're not that far along. Like, the American Soccer Federation, or the U.S. Soccer Federation, is always trying to take a step too fast. Right. Whereas it's like... Lack of patience seems to be a theme of today's episode. It, it really is. It's like... 
okay, we're finally somewhat competitive as a country, like truly in the world in terms of soccer. Yes. Let's now develop this league as a developmental league. We'll continue to get good young players from South America to come to our league. Those players will go over to Europe's smaller leagues, and then they'll make the step. Yeah. And then in five, ten years, if we can become a true developmental league for the Europe's top five leagues, we will. But, like, it doesn't need to be such a rush. And if Pepe, Pepe was willing to stay in the MLS for another year, then go to PSV instead of wasting 18 months at Augsburg and wherever else he was in yeah. Germany, not playing, not scoring, being in sides who are having 30% possession, barely right. touching and the ball. all you're doing is... is you're is just an isolated defending, striker. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pointless. I would rather have him go play in League One in England in the third division right. where he could potentially be on a side who's dominating possession. Like, yeah. there are good teams in League One. I unfortunately watch a lot of League One. <laughs> yeah. And there are good teams in League One that play good football. Uh, and I, I think, think you look at Miles Robinson, who just went... He was linked with a ton of clubs in Europe. He went to FC Cincinnati. And who knows if that'll be a good thing or a bad thing for his career, but... I think Miles Robinson is probably a well, like look at Austin Trusty. Like yeah. he went to Arsenal, but the plan was always he's going to go to Arsenal immediately, go on loan. Yeah, he went on loan to Birmingham. He was great, and now he's playing every week in the Premier League. And like for th- one of the worst Premier League teams, maybe ever. These are the worst bottom three in the history of the Premier League. Well, uh, it's only a bottom two. Luton has actually been competitive. They're competitive, but they're awful. Their squad's worth like seven. Million Sheffield million. United is Burnley's awful, awful too. Sheffield, they are a tough watch. Sheffield. Both those two teams are a tough yeah. watch. At least Burnley, with company, it looks like they're trying to do I mean, something. The guy wears a suit with a baseball hat. Like, that's a bad sign. <laughs> it's really not a good look. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough look. Oh, and last thing I didn't include, Tyler Adams completed his final fitness test, whatever that means. He can, can, he's coming back. He's coming back. He will be at training for Bournemouth, which is huge because – they're actually playing good football. They're great. If he gets healthy, I assume he'll be included in that squad. And having Yunus Musa is now starting. It's He's not an every week shoe-in to start, but he's starting a lot more for Milan. McKenney starts every single match and plays all 90. Like, yeah. the midfield is getting really good minutes. Tillman starts every single match for PSV. Bro, Tillman needs and to his be in goal the involvement, like, the U.S. team. He yeah. is the best player we have. Like, Gio Reyna... He made the right move by trying to go somewhere and get minutes. He's not getting minutes. It's not and good. with the way Tillman's playing, he's not starting. And with his relationship with Burhalter, it'll be interesting to see how that whole situation goes. Uh, and there's a chance Yorana does not make the squad. No. There's a chance. No. If he does not play the rest of the season, Burhalter will not choose him. He won't. You, I, and honestly, I would respect you that think decision. think so? I would respect that decision. I'm, from what I'm reading, like, Gio Reyna is Gio a Reyna nightmare in, in training. He does not try hard. He does not work hard. He does not listen. He's a fucking spoiled brat, and I'm fed up. I'm fucking fed up, honestly. Like, it's fucking uh, We're annoying. not at the point. We're not France, who had the luxury of not having Benzema, like, being fine without Benzema in their squad. Like, we need every good player we can get. But, we're, but he didn't play at the last World Cup anyway. Who fucking cares? If he's not going to play, don't we, bring him. And, and we... And we if he's we're not, not going to play, as good because of it. If he's the not going to play, played, don't bring him. If he's not going to play, don't bring him. Or it's a chance to show, like, if I'm not playing, I'll show that I'm committed to the squad. But there's nothing showing that he will ever. No, show but that. it's a good time to take that L if he doesn't commit to the squad, and then if he doesn't play and doesn't improve his attitude, then you actually don't bring him to the world. You don't play him at the World Cup. I'm at just kind of trying to reverse jinx him, honestly. I'm down for that. We need he. He is the key. He's to a our top success. three player. I think he's top three talent of the U.S. national yeah. team when they're at their best. Yeah. Pulisic, Balogun, and him are the three most talented. I think it's Balogun. I think McKenney's 
fantastic. I think McKenney's fantastic, but I think his profile is more replaceable than... I think we have... Like, I think... What's insane is I actually think, and I don't think this is an overreaction, I think we have a stacked midfield. Yeah, we do. They're very young. Like, people forget Eunice Musa is still, like, 21 years old. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... Like, these guys still need to grow. These guys are going to be... Like, we could be a problem in the World Cup. God, I hope. Please. With Klopp at the helm? <laughs> we could be... With Klopp at the helm and Mourinho as his assistant and, <laughs> right. and Wenger run and pulling the strings... Conte the as the goalkeeper's record. coach? Yeah. It's no, going to go crazy. Yeah. We need a goalie bad and fast. Yeah, so Zach Steffen's starting at Rapids this year. Oh, great. I mean... At least he's no, getting minutes. At least he hasn't gotten minutes for like six for consecutive years. That's huge news. He he's been a backup everywhere he's gone for six straight years. Yeah, it's not because Turner's situation. cooked. I mean, Ooh. Ethan Horvath. Is yeah, he's be what is he? Bruges, Club Bruges, some, No, he's in. He's in England somewhere. Maybe a borough. Oh, is he? I thought he was at. Did I make that up? He was at Bruges. Oh, okay. I think he left. Anyways, right. enough yapping about about the potential 2026 World Cup champions. Thank you for tuning in. Hit He's the like button. Too. He's at Nottingham Forest also. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. That's a disaster. I might play goalie. Hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button. Thank you for tuning in. Comment if you've enjoyed. Comment if you haven't enjoyed. All engagement is good engagement. And uh, we'll see you next episode. Peace. See you.